Um, well, we are in a series right now called The Psalm of My Life. And Pastor let me preach while he's actually here, which is unusual. So I appreciate the privilege. And this morning I'm going to share on a psalm that is uh, close to my heart and precious to me. A very important psalm, I feel, uh, for the church, obviously, for individuals and for families. A psalm with just three verses that can change your life and has changed mine. So this is the psalm that the Jewish people would sing on their journey to Jerusalem. Together, they would sing this psalm, Psalm 133. So if you're taking notes, especially if you're in junior high, if you're taking notes, if you have it on your Bible app, uh, you can turn there with me in your Bible this morning, Psalm 133, and let's read it together. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Now, why would God's people sing this psalm on their pilgrimage to Jerusalem? I was thinking about that, and I got some really spiritual answers. One, because traveling with your family is often awful. Can I get an amen? So you need a really good psalm in that caravan, whatever caravan you're going in, whether it's camels or whether you're in an actual, like, van, in a caravan, traveling with your family can be awful, right? So you need a psalm to remind you it's good to live in unity. It's good to live in unity. Also, this psalm they would sing in their pilgrimage because it is the truth, right? As is all scripture. It is God-breathed. It is useful for correction and rebuke and training in righteousness. There is nothing sweeter than people living together in unity, God's people. Now, there was a time about 10 years ago when The Rock moved from the south end of Toledo to Oregon. Every time I would preach, I would preach on the body of Christ, and I would preach on unity. And my friend Enid, she would always be like, oh, you're preaching this Sunday? Oh, you're preaching on the body of Christ? Yeah, you're preaching on unity? When are we going to move on, right? And I'm like, listen, we're, we got to stay here for a while, right? Because there is nothing sweeter than people living in unity and there is nothing more devastating than people living in disunity. I think the uh, King Solomon put it like, it's better to live in the corner of a house with a dry crust of bread with peace than to live in a big house with feasting where there is disunity, right? Something along those lines. If we get this right... If we get unity right as a body, and I'm talking just about the rock right now, but also the greater body of Christ as well. If we get this right, everything else falls into place. And I think I mean, I think I mean everything else falls into place when we get unity right. If we are unified, there will be salvation because the word says they will know that we are his disciples by the way that we what? Love one another. If we are unified, our children will see how the kingdom is supposed to be, and they will want to be part of it. If we are unified, the enemy has no place to interject himself because we stand together 
as one body and there is no place for him to come in. If we are unified, we advance the kingdom without the hindrance of gossip and slander and disunity and dysfunction. If we are unified, we have the anointing, as we read in this scripture, the anointing that breaks the yoke, the anointing that brings freedom and deliverance. If we are unified, we have the commanded blessing of God. And what he commands is settled in heaven. It's done. He said, through the Holy Spirit, for the Lord has commanded his blessing, life forevermore, when brothers are dwelling together in unity. When people come to the rock, what do I most often hear them say? Besides, like, uh, the music is loud and you guys are excited. Um, I hear them say, man, you guys really like each other. You know, sometimes you go to a church and the Lord bless, Lord bless them, you know. You can just tell they ain't really digging one another. You know what I'm saying? It's like, mm, I could be somewhere else right now. But when I feel, this is how I feel, when I look out at these people that I love, this family that God has given me, I see people who like one another, who want to be with each other, people who love each other. Now, there were many difficult days at The Rock, right, especially, as I mentioned, when we first moved here to Oregon, money troubles, people leaving, as with any transition, there was uh, gaps in our leadership that we needed filled, um, and I was talking with Chris, I told Chris I was going to tell a story about her, and she was like, Laura, <laughs> I said, don't worry, it's good, it's good, it's about your wisdom, um, I was talking with Chris, I was probably just trying to commiserate, you know, just bemoaning the struggles of the church, right? And uh, <coughs> I'm like, when are we going to grow? Why aren't people getting saved? You know what I mean? Why aren't people, like, excited? And um, Chris has been in a few dysfunctional churches in her life, right? Seen some disunity, seen the work of God destroyed by disunity, and um, seen her families suffer because of it, right? And she said, Laura, if this church never grows but your children get to be raised up in a body that loves each other, you, you can't get anything better than that. That's real success. And what I wanted was like worldly church success, which shouldn't be a thing, but it is. You know what I mean? I wanted church world success. I wanted like us to just, you know, explode and, you know, I don't know, maybe like a recording contract or something. But... I mean, if I'm just being honest, forgive me, Lord. But what is better than to be able to raise your children in a healthy body that loves one another, that sees what it's supposed to be like? And I know y'all probably, if you grew up in the church, you've been there. You've been at churches where they have split over the color of the carpet or the chairs. You've been at churches where the pastor had an affair or where there was sin in the camp and people left and families suffer and children grow up and turn away from the Lord because of these very things, right? So to grow up in a healthy body, that's everything. That's success right there. Real success for the people of God is walking out Psalm 133. That's real success. Is it easy? No, right? It's not easy. Why isn't it easy? Because people are difficult, right? I'm difficult, you're difficult. Didn't want to look at anybody specifically when I said that, right? <laughs> it's not easy, but it is simple. It is simple, right? Psalm 133 starts out, behold, look, wonder, 
take note. Charles Spurgeon says, it is a wonder seldom seen, a characteristic of real saints. Fail not to inspect it. It is well worthy of admiration. It will charm you into imitation. Unity will. Look, behold, it's worthy of admiration. What is a wonder seldom seen in the characteristics of real saints? It's unity. Then the psalmist goes on to say how good and how pleasant. Good because it reflects the heart of God and pleasant because it is enjoyable for all who experience. Isn't that what we try to tell our children? Hey, God's commands aren't just to keep you from having fun. When we obey his commands, it's actually enjoyable to live in an atmosphere where God's commands are being obeyed. Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity, dwell together, live together. Whenever I talk with young adults and they're like, yeah, I'm just going to move in with my best friend. I'm like, hold on, hold up, just so you know. You like people a lot better when you don't live with them. Can I get an amen? amen? The church down the street seems like they got it together because we don't live with them. We live with these people that we love a lot. When my husband is gone, I miss him. And when he comes back, I say, I don't really know what you do around here, but when you're here, it makes it a lot better. So please don't ever leave me again, right? But when we're dwelling together a lot, it's hard to live in unity, right? How good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity, when you live together. It is like precious oil. What is the precious oil that this is referring to? The anointing, right? The anointing oil that cannot be duplicated. When God gave the directions for the anointing oil, it's like, brothers, you better not try to make this on your own, right? Because this is God's prescription, his anointing. That's the oil that flows, not just on the head, but all the way down. From the head, think of the body of Christ. From the head all the way down, the oil of God, the anointing for consecrating flows where there is unity. When we live in unity with one another, the anointing of God has freedom to flow, not just on the leadership, but on the whole body. When we live in unity, it is like the dew of Hermon. And Mount Hermon is the tallest mountain in Palestine, right? And you can see it. I only know this because I Googled it. Not like I've been there like our pastor or something. He's probably seen it in person. But, yeah, I'm sure he does. <laughs> on his phone. You can see Mount Hermon, right? And the dew comes and settles on the snowy caps of Mount Hermon. Then the water melts and it brings life to everything below it. That's what unity does, right? It settles on the top and it brings life and health to all the vegetation below. It makes the land green. It makes the land fruitful. That is what unity does. Lush, green, bearing fruit bringing life to all it touches. And here, where there is unity, the Lord has commanded his blessing. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The commanded blessing of the Lord is already set forth for people who live in unity. It's not like, okay, all right, so what do we have to do to get the blessing of God? It's like, no, the blessing of God is in unity, so get in unity, and you already got it, 
right? What is blessing? It's the favor. It's the outpouring of who he is. It's everything that he is in us. That is his blessing. So it's already been commanded. His word, right? It's finished. It's been commanded that when brothers dwell in unity, it's life forevermore. It's blessing. So, Laura, if... um you think we're already unified, then why are you preaching about this, right? Good question, okay? So there's an amazing concept in the kingdom of God. I just learned about this. I mean, I knew it, but like she said it in this amazing way at this conference that I was at. She said, in the kingdom, it is and it will be, right? We are saved and we're being saved, right? We're working out our salvation. We are healed. The moment we're born again, we're healed, but we're also being healed, right? We are free, but we're also being freed. It is and it will be, right? It is and it will be. We are, as the church, as the rock, we are walking in love on a certain level, but there is more. There is something deeper that God has for us. It is and it will be. We are walking in unity on a certain level. Thank God. I, me and my family receive blessing from it every day from the love that we have for one another. But there's more that God has for us, right? It is now and it will be as we continue to walk towards it, okay? So that's what I want to focus on today. The fact that we have, by the grace of God and the, uh, the faithfulness of his people, experienced a level of unity, but there's more that God has for us, okay? So This is who we are as a church. We're a church who loves and we're a church who walks in unity. And we are a church who honors every culture, every generation, every gift. That is who we are, right? That's who we are now and that's who we are. Thanks for that head nod. That's who we are by faith as we move forward. A church who honors every culture, every generation, and every gift. If you want to know who the rock is, right, we say this confidently without reservation. When we were praying, Lord, why did you send an inner city church out in the boonies to Oregon? I'm telling you, when I first drove out here, I was like, this is so far. And where I'm going in the middle of $500,000 houses. You know what I'm saying? Like, I could, let's see, houses 50,000. I could fit 10 houses of mine in one of these houses, you know? But God showed us that we weren't here to minister to who Oregon was. We're here to minister to who Oregon is becoming, right? And we see, I see this now. Like, people are like, dude, Oregon's on the rise, man. Like, businesses are coming. We got a Chipotle. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we are. We are on the rise. As soon as we get a Chick-fil-A, bam, done. We're in. You know what I'm saying? It is finished. It's settled in heaven. Lord, let it be done, okay? Oregon and the surrounding areas are being built up, and I believe one of those reasons is because God's church is advancing in this area, right? So we are a church that is ministering to who Oregon is becoming, This is who we are, okay? We honor every culture, and this is at the core of our leadership. We are and we strive to be in greater ways a multicultural church that honors every tribe, every race, 
every tongue of people. We have a Dominican pastor. We have a black youth pastor. We have a Mexican children's pastor. And we have a country bumpkin worship leader, okay? Why? Because you can't say that you honor multicultural church but have an all-white leadership, right? You can't say that you honor a multicultural church but have an all-white male 50s board. You know what I'm saying? We, if you're going to say we honor something, you better say it in everything that you do. This is who we are, and this is who we will be, okay? Why do we have these pictures on our wall, even though they make some people uncomfortable? We have them because we desire every culture in this body of Christ, okay? And these people have become my friends. You know, like in Google Photos, how it finds pictures of people on your thing, and then it says, would you like to name this person and make them a photo album? So, uh, Brandy, can you show this? In, in my Google Photos, <laughs> so you can see there's Danny and John Mark, and then over here, I, na I gave him a name. That's Abdul, right? So, Google Photos is asking me, do you want to add a photo album for Abdul, or whatever his name is, because he's your friend, right? And I'm like, he is my friend. He's in all my pictures. Like, I honor him. We want every culture, every tribe, every race to be, you go to the next one, too. And I also have, um, there's our little black boyfriend from Africa. I feel like she's from Peru. You know what I'm saying? Oh, look at the cutie. Look, there's Alicia. So cute. Because we honor every, that was, <laughs> sorry, Pastor, that was, before we had skinny Carlos, but I just, it's what Google chose, okay? I can't help it. That's back when Pastor had, he had to use that machine to sleep. He had like a lot of problems, okay? <laughs> I didn't choose the picture, okay? Okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, why do we desire a multicultural church? And that's a good question, right? Because we could be, we're more comfortable in reality, if we're just being honest. You're more comfortable with people that are like you. You understand where they come from, what their family's like, you understand what kind of food they eat. You know what I'm saying? Why do we desire a multicultural church? when Oregon is 88% white, 6% Hispanic, why do we desire a multicultural church in the middle of Oregon? Because when we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we want this church to be a picture of heaven. And what does heaven look like? Well, we know because, you know, the apostle John was there. And Revelation 7, 9 says, after I looked... After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, together clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Come on, that's a picture of heaven. And when people from, from our denomination, when they come here, what do they notice first? When Pastor John came here, who's our pastor, who's Carlos's pastor, he said, you know what I loved about your church? I loved that I saw 
all these different colors of people. And he said he loved that you guys sing so loud, too. He's like, I mean, your worship team is great, but, man, you could really hear people singing. I'm like, what's not to love? You know what I'm saying? But every tribe, every tongue, that's why this is our goal, to honor every culture, every race, right? And culture covers more than just race because if you're white but you grew up in the hood, you're of a different culture, right? Come on, Paul. If you're Hispanic but you grew up in the country, you are of a different culture. Every culture, we honor you and where you came from. And we're not just talking about racial unity or reconciliation. We're talking about unity between cultures, getting one vision together for the kingdom. I mean, Worshiping together with one voice, salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb. Whoo, come on. Yes. Moving forward as one for the sake of the kingdom. And this means listening to people who have different political views than you and not dogging them, right, in person or on Facebook. This means listening to people who have a different experience racially than you do and not just wanting to have a pat answer, well, that was because blah, 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 and I know. No, listening to the experiences of others, honoring what they've been through, even if you've never been through it, and moving forward together as one. Man, if it were easy, everybody would do it. It's not easy. But this is who we are striving to be. It is and it will be, honoring every culture. We also honor every generation. In this body, every age group has an important role and is honored here. We honor the young. There is no junior Holy Spirit. We don't babysit, right? We teach and we train to raise up mighty men and women of God. We honor our teenagers who bring life and hormones and young backs to this body. We honor them and what they do and what they bring. And we teach them the word. And we pray that they will be raised up as mighty warriors, right? We honor our young adults who are in college. We honor those who are single, who are waiting for what God has for them. We honor them and the place that they're in in life. We honor our young families. We honor our boomers. I didn't know what to call you guys, our regular middle people, okay? And we honor those who are retired, our octogenarians. We honor you. You have value to the kingdom. I think about one of my best friends, Jim Werner. I don't say that jokingly. I feel like he's actually one of my best friends, right? He is retired along with his friends, and they all come here because he says, if you retire and you stop working, you're going to die, and I'm not going to die. So what does he do? He comes here on Mondays and Thursdays, and he cleans the church because he don't want to die. Also because he has a determination to serve the Lord, right? Every stage in life is honored and valued at the rock. Are we doing this perfectly? No. But it is and it will be together. In the word we see continual talk of generations. Abraham had so-and-so and so-and-so, and and that was a generation. And then so-and-so had so-and-so, and that was a generation. But then when we get to the Psalms, in Psalm 24, we see a new concept which is the generation of those who seek the face of the Lord. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and who does not swear deceitfully. 
He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek his face, God of Jacob. When we seek God together, every age together, we become as one generation. Not separated by ages, one generation. The generation of those who seek his face. Whoo. There is nothing I love more than seeking the face of God with the people in this body and in the greater body of Christ. I don't care what age you are, right? We're talking about unity. And the Bible talks so often about this, especially in Titus 2. Older women, teach the younger women how to love their children, how to love their husbands and be submissive, which is a good thing to teach, right? Teach an Older men, teach the younger men how to walk before God. That's what we're talking about, right? Teaching one another, growing together in what God is doing here. It is and it will be. We honor every culture. We honor every generation. And we honor every gift. So what does that mean, every gift? It seems a little bit out of place. But the Bible talks about how God has given each one of us a gift from his Holy Spirit, right? You can find this in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 and also in Romans 12. He gives us these gifts for his glory in the church and in the world. And often those who possess different gifts find themselves at odds with each other, right? So you have um, a passion for evangelism because you have the gift of evangelism. And the church needs to be busing people every day. And we need to spend a huge portion of our budget on evangelism, right? And the person who has the gift of prophecy is like, no, we need to intercede and wait for what the Spirit is saying. And then the worship leader is like, excuse me. Okay, worship should be at least 45 minutes. And people who have the gift of teaching are like, if pastor don't teach, the Spirit ain't moving, right? We all have different gifts, and we should feel passion about our gifts, right? That's why I tell people when they're like, the church, the church needs to be doing. I'm like, you know what? Thank God that he has given you the passion for that. We need you here. But what is the challenge when you have a certain gift? It's realizing other people have different gifts, right? And that the Lord wants us to walk together in unity. And that's not easy. Because when you have a passion, you can sometimes you know, you get blinded. But if purpose doesn't unite us, our preferences are going to divide us anyways, right? So the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, the prophet, the apostle, those who have the gift of serving, the gift of mercy, the gift of giving, those who have the gift of helps working together as one body. Because what does the Bible say? The ear can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The eye can't say, whatever it says, you know what I mean, the feet, and it like uses a bunch of body parts there. You can't say to another part, to those who think teaching is important, we don't need you because we need teachers. We need evangelists. And if the Lord has given you passion for it, thank God. If he's given you the gift, thank God. Now let's strive together to work in unity, to walk in unity and in love with one another appreciating the gifts that God has given us, but also appreciating the gifts that God has given others. It is and it will be. And we just are really trying to discover what this looks like. What does it look like for the prophet and the pastoral to work together, to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ? What does that look like? 
Because so often you find prophets, they want to speak the word of the Lord and they don't find a place in a church, so they go somewhere else. But that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for prophets who get deeply rooted in the love of the church, who have the freedom to speak the word because they have the trust of the leadership. We're looking for pastors who aren't so tightly controlling things that they can't let someone speak what it is that God is saying because they're afraid of what will happen or what someone will think, right? We're trying to get a picture of what this looks like like heaven, you know what I mean, on earth, moving forward. Every gift is honored at the rock. Perfectly? No. But it is and it will be. This is who we are, right? A people and a place that makes space for you to use the gifts that God has given you. And we pray in the fullness of what God has given you, right? To release you, to send you out, to let give you space here, right? This is what God is doing. We want to honor every gift and to be in unity as one. So we don't promote ourselves. We don't harbor bitterness to those who can't understand our gifts, right? We honor each other in the gifts that God has given one another. We serve one another in love. We shut down gossip and slander, and we speak the truth in love, guarding the unity that God has placed here vigilantly, guarding the unity in this body, not listening to foolish talk, not making place for slander or accusation, but also loving those who are slandering and accusing and speaking the truth and love to them and saying, come on, come on, we're going somewhere. Let's do this together. We're going to listen to those whose experience is different from ours, not to give them a pat answer, but to love and to come together for the sake of the kingdom. We're committed to unity and we are committed to honor. It's who we are. It's who we are, and in this, we will see salvation. We will see and experience an incredible anointing that breaks the yoke and brings freedom. We will be awash and overwhelmed with the commanded blessing of God when we walk in unity. This is who we are. This is where we're going we're going to expound on this more here in the next couple months. But this is who we are. And this is where we're going. So can we stand together? We were uh, at a concert recently, and they had us hold hands like seven times with our strangers. I'm like, this is awkward. Um, but could, could, we all <laughs> could we all just move to the, to the middle? And could you just grab the hand of the person next to you? Would that be all right, guys? I know it's kind of a little bit awkward. Could we just come together? I know in first service we'd like to spread out. Israel, you can just come over here, hold hands with Larry. It's not unusual. Let's just come together. Man, when I was a teenager, I used to really hope I was standing by a few certain people when we held hands. Man, oh, man. I know how that is. <laughs> All right, let's just pray. Let's just pray together. You guys are awesome. 
Father, we thank you for the rock, and we thank you for the unity, God, that you have given us, the love that you have given us one to another. How beautiful this is when brothers dwell together in unity is like oil flowing down from the head, all the way down, down the robes of Aaron. It is like the dew of Hermon that brings lush growth to everything it touches, Lord. We thank you that you have commanded your blessing, life forevermore where there is unity. God, we take our stand today as the people of the rock. We will vigilantly guard the unity of this body. We will honor every culture, every generation, and every gift. We will let you speak to us and show us, God, where we lack in these areas so that we can grow in a way that honors you, Lord. We commit to this today. Lord, as a pastor at this church, I say this is who we are, and this is who we will be. A picture of heaven on earth, a beacon of hope in Oregon, a place where people can find love and acceptance and a a freedom to become who you have called them to be. We just thank you for this, Lord. They will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. They will know that we are Christians by our love. So let it be so, God. Let it be so on earth as it is in heaven. Every tribe, tongue, language, and people waving their palm branches and saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hey, we love you all. I mean, do you need to say anything, Pastor? Okay. All right. We love you all. God bless you. If you need prayer, the altars are open. Praying for healing, salvation, anything. We'll be here. We'll see you.